As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I asked our newsletter subscribers to tell me about the best book they read this summer, and they did. Sometimes they told us about the worst book they read, too. These clips were so fun to listen to, and today you get to listen in as well. Hey, everyone. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 37. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, we are trying lots of exciting and new things today. We have two guests, Kristen and Kurt Frankie, who approached me through the guest permission form with a slightly different question. What should we read next? Kristen and Kurt have been married 16 years. Kristen has been a reader for a long time. Kurt, not so much. But recently, they've started reading together. But they read for different reasons, and they have very different tastes. So they want recommendations for books that they can enjoy together that will hit both their sweet spots. This was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Kristen and Kurt, thanks so much for coming on. Thank Thank you, you, Anne. Kristen, you sent me an email that really intrigued me that said... Well, we'll get to it, but you had a really interesting idea and a struggle might be overstating it, but an interest that I know a lot of readers and a lot of listeners really relate to. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and about your reading life? Uh, Well, I have been reading my whole life. Um, You'll see, you'll meet my husband, but I'm definitely more book nerdy than he is. So when we got married 15 years ago, it was kind of my dream that he would join me in my book nerdy life. But life is busy and he's had a lot to do with remodeling houses and everything and hasn't been able to join me on the journey. But the last year, things have slowed down enough that he's really picked up reading. We also homeschool our three daughters and I work very part time. He works a full time job, which uh, he can tell you about. But it's just been really fun to see him pick up the joy of reading. And we've just had a hard time connecting on books we can both enjoy. So my question was, what can we read together? I really relate to your struggle, not with books, but when my husband and I got married, I was the only coffee drinker in the relationship. And this was deeply troubling (laughs) to me. 
And it took me years to try and convince him to become a coffee drinker because I wanted to go to coffee shops together, you know, and travel and explore new little coffee shops. And you can't just walk into a coffee shop and buy a Coke. Now your options are a lot better than they were when we got married about as long ago as you all did. But, um, yeah, it took a long time for me to poke and prod him. And finally he went to grad school and he was exhausted and he started drinking coffee. But now he drinks it out of pleasure, not out of need or obligation. And Kurt, I hope this is a brilliant metaphor for books, for you. I I have the coffee part down for sure and all the reading. (laughs) (laughs) So Kurt, tell us a little bit about yourself and your reading life. I read a fair amount when I was younger. I read some of the classic uh, books, uh, Hardy Boys, some of the Louis L'Amour books. Um, More just books, I guess, that would appeal to... uh, young boys. And then uh, as I got closer to high school, I just was involved in more sports and socializing uh, and just kind of dropped reading basically up until just recently. I'd read magazines, news articles, newspapers, but not really a lot of books, Mm -hmm. Um, some historical books here and there, but it was pretty hit and miss. And uh, so finally, I hit a point in my life where uh, things slowed down, kids started getting older, had a little more downtime finally after 10 years of remodeling. Uh, wrapped up. So yeah, I've really uh, gotten into it and it's been a great thing. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh, enhanced my life and uh, it's been a good thing for Chris and I to be able to sit outside and enjoy a book, read some coffee and drink some coffee. That sounds terrific. <laughs> so was it a function of your schedule that allowed you to start reading again or was there some other inciting event? I think so. I don't. I don't totally know what it is, what it was, but uh, I mean, I work full time. I have kind of a goofy schedule. I'm a police officer, but I think really just finally getting to the point where I'm almost 40 and I started to, uh, I don't know, settle down enough to sit still and read. <laughs> I think very um, true. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, let's see. So when you say that you want books to read together, do you mean literally like reading it out loud or passing the book back and forth? Do you mean Kristen might read a book and then she'll hand it off to Kurt when she's finished? Do you mean like fighting over who gets it at any one time? What does reading (laughs) together look like for you all? I don't know what it looks like for him, but for me, I was just kind of the way, like we like to watch TV together a lot Mm -hmm. and that, you know, creates conversation and discussion. So I, I guess maybe from that standpoint that we have something to mutually enjoy and discuss together that meets both of our, you know, interests. Yeah, I would say not necessarily at the same time, but, you know, I read it, then she reads it or vice versa, and then maybe we can talk about it. We could read it at the same time. I do most of my reading on my iPad, Kindle app, and he likes a physical book, so. Just not out loud, right? <laughs> no, not out loud. <laughs> you end up really with that with the kids. slow, too. Really slow yeah. to do it that way. Well, so when you all are sitting on the back porch with your coffee and your books, so you have, you're reading different things. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And and then when the other person gets around to reading a book, you can talk about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. We could read the same one at the same time though. Mm Mm-hmm. As long as you found one, you schedule it right. Yes. (laughs) Um, What happens a lot in my house is I'll read a book that I just love and I'll hand it to my husband and say, please read this so we can talk about it together. Is that something that you all relate to? Right. Yep. I would think so. Yeah. That's been a lot of what he's been reading is because I've had so many more years of building up books. So I've been kind of just suggesting things to him. And sometimes he's like, yeah, that was good. And 
most of the time he's been like, meh, I'll, I'll pick my own. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this will be fun to hear how your all's taste is different. Kristen, you know how this works. And Kurt, you're yeah. about to find out. So try all to right. hire. Guests tell me three books they love, one book they hate, and what they've been reading lately. And then we talk about what you should read next. But I think today we get, you know, double the books, double the fun. Kristen, yeah. let's start with your favorite. We'll put you in the hot seat first. All right. What do you love? What are your favorites? Okay, so this was easy and hard because the books I love, love, I just really love. Like I can, I know what those are immediately. Uh-huh. But I do like a lot of types of books and I read a lot of types of books. So even if I don't love them, I, I still like to read the books. But with that caveat, my some of my favorites are, I'll start with A Fine Balance mm-hmm. by, is it Rohinton Mystery? Is that, that how you say the name? That sounds good to me. <laughs> okay. So this book is set in India in, I think it's like the 70s and 80s. There's like a time of political unrest. Um, the book centers on these four characters mainly who are rooming together in I don't remember if it's like Bombay or which city it was. I read this one a couple of years ago, but I was like a college student, a seamstress and these other men. And it covers all of their stories. It goes back in time. It comes into the present. It deals with the cast difficulties. So much injustice is in this book. It's honestly, it's kind of heartbreaking, but so honest, uh, so beautifully written, just the way it covers the human experience, I feel like I, I can step into a different time and a place and connect with people that I would never otherwise have, you know, had the chance to connect with in my life. And I, I thought it was just such a beautiful book. So well-written, so descriptive. Yeah, it was, that one's one of my favorites. That's a pretty giant book, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty thick. And it's one that people, I've, I haven't read this one, but I've heard it discussed and people always use words like epic and sweeping and haunting. Yes. All of that. <laughs> okay. What's book two? Book two, which may be my all-time favorite book, but is The Big Rock Candy Mountain by Wallace Stegner. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. And <clears throat> this one I'd also give the kind of sweeping epic feel to, uh, very much American um, west, northwest, at the turn of the the century, um, covers through like 1900 to maybe 1930 goes through, and it covers this family over the course of their their life of when they they first meet, the husband and wife meet and fall in love, and it deals with this one through changes in perspective from um, the different characters. Uh, which is a, it had a cool structure. I like that. Um, it's really like a saga to me of like survival, family, love, perseverance in these characters. The times were tough. They, they went through a lot, such simple writing. I think it was, but so descriptive, so beautiful, poetic, uh, the way that, uh, Wallace Stegner described like falling in love. And I remember there's one about, uh, a paragraph about when spring comes and we live in the North and just the way he described it was so beautiful. Um, I think this book all the time and these people. So it was one of those for me. That's a tough book to have as your lifetime favorite because it's so, I mean, the people are going through such hard things, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I really love Stegner. It's, it's beautiful. I think it's the way that he writes to me that elevates that book to the top for me. 
uh, I, I'm with you on that. What's book three? Uh, book three, I just read this summer, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Ooh, for the first time. Uh, yes. I don't know how I missed it. But, I just read but, it, I think, a year before you. I don't know how I missed it either. Yeah, that's one of those where I forever will remember Francie Nolan. This one, for anyone who hasn't read it, is uh, about a second-generation immigrant family in Brooklyn, also in the early 1900s. And it just kind of describes life growing up then and the, the struggles of being an immigrant. Um, the language was rich, but not overly uh, flowery or detailed. It was also pretty straightforward, I thought. Um, the characters were handled so well. I mean, even the ones that did, you know, like the dad was an alcoholic. You still loved him. You still got him. The the grandmother who had prevented her daughters from learning German to save them from uh, their father's cruelty is just, oh, another one. I, I guess I have a heartbreaking <laughs> thing. But I think it's more of how the people deal with it and handle it and persevere and just that beauty and triumph of the human spirit that really appeals to me. Yeah, you've chosen books with a lot of emotional resonance. Which I don't know, I'm not like heavy on that in, in my real life. Maybe that's where, where it comes into play. Maybe that's good. You can get your drama yeah. and heartbreak on the page. Yes. Kurt, have you read any of Kristen's favorites? Uh, not yet. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering what you thought, but I guess we'll find out down the road. Kurt, what are your three favorite books? Alrighty. Um, I think my first favorite one would be Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Uh-huh. So when um, you started reading, uh, have you read that in the past year since you picked books back up again? Yeah, yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, all these I've just started to read. So yeah, these are all within the last year. Because for not reading um, much for years, like you really dove in. Yeah. That's the yeah, deep that's, end. That's, that is a deep book. Um, yeah, I guess the biggest description I could say about that book, and really Cormac McCarthy in general, he's just epic. I mean, he writes just some huge books. Um, this book was uh, takes place uh, in the 1840s in the southwest, Texas-Mexico borderlands. It's just a nightmarish adventure. Um, basically, I guess a pop culture reference to movies for this kind of is like Bone Tomahawk meets Hateful Eight. I don't know if you've seen those, but... <laughs> nope, that's not my language. <laughs> no. Right, but I'm sure well. it's a lot of people's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing people can relate to that. Um, it's a representation of American history um, during that time. Um, a lot of violence, a lot of suffering. It's a story about a runaway kid. Not really sure. They don't really name him. They just refer to him as kid. But he joins a outlaw gang of scalp hunters who were hired under contract by the territorial governors of uh, Texas, Mexico to wipe out Indians in that area. And there's a lot more to the story as well. But it's definitely not for the faint of heart. It's a wild book. It's really descriptive. The author writes uh the way he describes landscapes mountains the desert the scenery it's it's amazing i mean he just paints it so vividly in your mind i mean the book it's it's a really well-written book so that was a that was a big favorite of mine excellent what's book two another one by cormac mccarthy uh called the road well, um it's, it's good to know what you like 
Which yeah. did you read first, Blood Meridian or The Road? Blood, yeah, I read Blood Meridian and then The Road. Did you like actually, it so much you were eager to read more by the author? Yeah, I really like his writing style. So, yeah, it's really good. This one's a po- it's a like post-apocalypse about a father and son who uh, basically roam across the United States after this kind of unnamed uh, catastrophe where pretty much all the civilization and people are destroyed. There's some remaining people, but it's just uh, all about their struggle with the cold, the elements, um, being hungry. Um, again, he's so descriptive about the landscape, surviving, the people, the scenery, the desolation. Uh, the way he writes, he's literally putting you right there with the characters. It really makes you think what it would be like in a, some type of post-apocalyptic disaster. So it's quite an experience to read it. And it, it covers a lot of uh, compassion, empathy, and just basically what it takes to survive at all costs. Are you in the camp that views that book as terribly depressing or incredibly hopeful? I guess both is a choice, but I yeah, don't it's, about that. it's pretty, it's both, but I, I, I think it's probably a little more depressing. I, I would say, I don't know. I mean, it's, it definitely has some hope, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about, uh, I would say probably a little more on the depressing end, but it doesn't like, doesn't make you feel horrible when you're done reading it. It does make you want to stock your pantry with canned goods. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, what's book three? It's The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. How'd you happen to pick that one up? I think it was on the shelf for one of the books that the kids, that we want the kids to read for school. Is that right, Kristen? Yes. Okay. That's a portrayal of life in Nazi Germany during World War II, but from the perspective of the experience from uh, like German kids at the time. Mm-hmm really makes you think about human nature and what it was like to grow up under that time under the Nazis. One interesting thing about it is death is the narrator of the story. So it gives you a very interesting perspective. The main character is a young girl, I think between about 11 and 13. It goes over a couple years. It relates well to what we're talking about because she learned to read and then discovered really the power of words and then that uh, parlayed into becoming a writer herself. Um, it's not your typical, I think, story that people might think of when it comes to Nazis and that. I mean, it's a sweet story. It covers all the dynamics of that time, though. Family, death, love, loss, compassion, cruelty, strength. It really, I guess, highlights, I don't know, how ugly but glorious the human race can be. And, uh, I don't know. I thought it was a really, really good book. My daughter's actually reading that right now. And when okay. I first read it, I plucked it off my kids' shelves, too. Not that long yeah. ago, either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kristen, have you read any of Kurt's favorites? Um, I have not. I actually started the book Thief probably. See, my I read based on kind of what I get through Overdrive uh-huh. or what's cheap <laughs> for Kindle, <laughs> Kindle deals. So I think I got it like maybe two years ago came, it came through in my overdrive and then something else that I had been on the list, you know, when the, when it comes in and you've been waiting for six months. Oh yeah. Kind of thing. A you lot of readers do that. Out. They're at the mercy yeah. of the library. The library decides what you read, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily yeah, so, bad or good. It's just, no, it, it's how you, you know, decide what comes next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't get very far in it like first chapter and then I just dropped it. it I wasn't compelled to go back to it. 
I, but now, now I, I feel like I will. Uh -huh. He yeah. likes it so much. It's good. Okay, strong recommendation. And it's only fair that the recommendations go both ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is true. <laughs> are, there, are there any books that you all both love? Uh, we both loved, and it was it was actually, I think, the was it the first book that you really picked up when you started reading yeah. again? Crime and Crime. Punishment. I actually read it on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> you need like a, a book nerd like medal for that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was really young and it was, yeah, that's what I had in my bag. So I loved it. And I remember wanting to talk to him all over the honeymoon. And he was like, I, I don't know what you're doing reading crime and punishment on our honeymoon, but whatever. So <laughs> I think I was reading <laughs> firm, but you know, yeah. Teach her out. <laughs> yeah. So I loved it. Although it was, you know, 15 years ago now. So mm -hmm. all the reasons why I loved it aren't as fresh to me. But I said, you got to read it. You'll love it. And he did. I can't wait to read more more books by Dostoevsky. I like it. Okay. All right. Total change of pace. Let's talk about what you hate. Kristen, do you have a title for here? I do. And it may not be popular, but I hated the book Gone Girl. Oh, you're in good company. I really think you are. Okay. <laughs> I just did not like the characters. I didn't like the, the, the language, like the crude language, the swearing. I, I'm not totally opposed to that, but just the way it was handled in here, I didn't like it. I felt like the premise had, it had promise, like the twists and the things that were going on, but it did not deliver for me. I hated the ending. It was one of those books that I would have thrown if I could. I just, I did you, not like I'm it. I'm glad you don't throw your iPad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can definitely see how it doesn't have the same kind of emotional resonance that your favorites do. I mean, it definitely gets at your emotions, but not at all yeah. in the same way. Yeah. I think I have to like somebody in a book that I'm reading or at least relate to them. And it just, it didn't happen there. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Kurt, what are you not crazy about? The, is that the one the sun always rises? Also rises also by her. Ernest Hemingway? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I got sitting in coffee shops and drinking coffee and wine. I love doing that. But reading about people in this book doing this every day over and over and over, <laughs> um, I couldn't even finish the book. I mean, it was I don't know. Not that I don't I don't mind Hemingway, but that book just did not do it for me. OK, so it's not blanket Hemingway style. No, the sun no, the just, just that first, just that book in general. But what? I guess I haven't read so many books where I uh, I guess I, I can't. Uh, most of the books I've read, I've liked. So I don't have a huge uh, experience of books to really say too many that I didn't like. All right. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, what are you reading right now? I just started reading Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner, and I'm not very far in, so I can't say much about it yet, but I'm excited to read that one because I loved Big Rock Candy Mountain so much. I'm excited for you to be reading that one. Kurt, what are you reading right now? Uh, the Whiskey Robber um, by Julian Rubinstein. Uh -huh. How far the into ballad. it are you? Uh, oh, The Ballad of the Whiskey Robber, that's what it's called. Uh, I just started. I'm not even a chapter in, I don't think, but it kicks off good and uh so yeah i'm excited to read it it's uh and this is one this is one that i read based on your recommendation and and i loved it loved it it was so fun such a funny interesting unique book and I, that was one i told him he had to read so <laughs> i hope he shares my my feelings and we can talk about this one 
Kurt, I hope yeah. you're about to love it and that it wouldn't be your hated pick, you know, no, in, I don't, in I, your, so far, your hypothetical. So good. <laughs> Well, usually I ask you if there's anything you want to be different in your reading life, but I think, I think we've got it. So we're looking for books that you all can read and discuss together that neither yep. of you hates, both of you will enjoy, and a book that is able to offer you the benefit of not only a good reading experience, but a great discussion that takes it to the next level. What would you add to that? That sounds perfect. Sounds good. I have ideas in mind, and we will talk all about them after the break. Kristen and Kurt, let's talk about your books. And we have so many books to talk about with two of you. So in my head, I'm picturing this giant Venn diagram that does, you know, have a little overlapping <laughs> segment there in the middle, but it's not huge. You've both chosen really high quality books. Kurt, especially for someone who hasn't been a hardcore reader for a long time, like you, you know, it's not like you're reading a step up from People Magazine. So, so they're both solid literary books that would be on the same shelves of the, you know, the local bookstore, but, um, they definitely feel different in flavor. So Kristen has these books that pull at your heartstrings that have emotional resonance that, um, speak to the deep issues of life in a very, um, compassionate, almost wistful way. And, mm -hmm. and Kurt, you have Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, who, who does the same thing? Like, those are powerful books. They do have a lot of emotional resonance, but it's poking at a different part of your soul in your mind. Mm -hmm. More grim, more spare, very powerful, but you would use different adjectives to describe those two sets of books. But I love that you both like Crime and Punishment, and that is where we are going to take our leaping off point. So for book one, I'm trusting you haven't read it yet because it's brand new, or rather, it's almost new. This one comes out September 6th, so right around the corner. And when you hear people toss around words like, oh, the much-anticipated novel, sometimes that's just buzz, but seriously, this time, like, people are on the edge of their seats for this book. And it is A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. Are you at all familiar with the author or with his debut novel, Rules of Civility? That was almost one of my top three. Really? <laughs> And before I read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, Rules of Civil Civility would have been on my three loves. Okay, nice. So I, we've talked about Rules of Civility on the podcast. It is a historical novel that is one of those rare debuts that is actually fantastic. That happens sometimes, but it's not the rule. Mm -hmm. So Rules of Civility was a like glittering, Gatsby-esque period novel set in one year in New York City. It begins on New Year's Eve and it covers the course of one year. And it's about three friends who come together in an unlikely way and whose lives are changed by just one chance encounter. And it brings up issues of um, friendship and class and love and work and mystery and intrigue. And Kurt, this is mostly for your benefit. So this is what the author's sure. previous work and it was really well written too. Very well written. It was, I have quotes. I had I wrote quotes out of that book in my journal. <laughs> and it's not pretentious. No. It just the no. writing really serves the story and does a good job of I want to say elevating it, but that sounds a little like highbrow. I don't mean it like that. What I mean is the man can write. This second book feels like a departure. I've just I've been googling like every month since 2012 like when is Immortals going to have a new book out and I was so excited when I finally found out about this. So, also historical. This one is set over the course of like 50 years in the first half of the 20th century. 
So what we have is an aristocrat, Count Alexander Rostov, who has been sentenced to house arrest by the Bolshevik tribunal for an incendiary poem he wrote, although we find out more about that. So the man is sentenced to house arrest in the Metropole, which is this grand luxury hotel across the street from the Kremlin. So Tolls has taken this man who has had the world at his feet, basically, thanks to his connections and privilege and money, and confined him to just a set of rooms. And when he isn't allowed to go out into the world, he's forced to maybe come to grips with what's happening in his interior world. And the way he makes a life for himself out of this very restricted circumstances is uh, interesting and unexpected. And the people who come into his life, and there are some... (laughs) escapades within the hotel. There are some um, really tender friendships that are forged because of his situation. He goes from, well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you that. Because when I started reading, and I will warn you, the first 50 pages are a little slow because this is written by an American, but it's a Russian novel. It's It's about a man in Russia. It's set in Russia. And it seems to have as many characters as a Russian novel at first. So just keeping Mm -hmm. everybody straight. And, you know, I live in Kentucky. So the Russian names were a little difficult for me to grasp and sort out at first, but I plowed through after 50 pages, I was set and those were not unenjoyable. I just needed to make sure I wasn't extremely sleepy when I sat down with this book at the very beginning. But um, like, like rules of civility, I want to use the word glittering to describe this. It's just so sparkly. And I don't mean that it's like fun and lighthearted. I just mean that it's so interesting how Tolls has chosen his characters and what kind of personalities he gives him. And um, just some of the extended plot lines in the book that I want to tell you, but I won't because there, there's a little bit of mystery element built in. Like, what are they conspiring to do? When will I find out? Are just so delightful. And with your Russian connection, your overlapping literary tastes, and now I know Kristen's background with the rules of civility, I think it sounds like a solid pick for you guys. What do you think? Yeah, sounds great. That sounds, I'm very excited. I didn't even know he had a new one coming out. So this is perfect. I am so excited. I just can't wait. Okay. Oh, and it's worth saying that this is one that I read earlier this summer. And a friend sent me her advanced copy, and it was a little bit waterlogged because I think she read it at the pool. And I thought, well, this is a good start. This is the sign of a good book that's been enjoyed somewhere. <laughs> um, but I finished it and handed it to my husband and said, what What are you reading? What are you reading next? Could, could you read this next? I think you should read this next. So always a good sign when you finish a book and want to pass it off to, you know, someone that you want to talk to about it. Okay. Book two... What do you know about Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry? I have not read it, although my sister recommended it. Kurt, do you know anything? Because you mentioned Louis L'Amour. Yeah, I've heard the title, but that's about the extent of it. And I believe it's Western related. It is a Western. How do you feel about a Western, Kurt? Yeah, I like those. They're good. Okay. Kristen's the one I think needs reassurance on the Western. Because (laughs) I just read this this year. Well, you know, she's a woman. And we are not stereotypically the consumers of Westerns. And for many years, I rolled my eyes and thought, oh, that's a book that my grandfather, who loved Louis L'Amour novels, 
would want to read, but not something that has anything to do with me and my reading life. But a whole lot of very diverse readers, you know, old, young, male, female, widely differing reading tastes kept telling me something along the lines of, I just read Lonesome Dove and it's amazing. Have you read it yet? So that inspired me to finally pick it up and I totally get what they were talking about. So this has, I mean, it's a wonderfully written book. It has the emotional resonance that Kristen is looking for in her books. And it also has the, <laughs> uh, the toughness that Kurt has in his books, but not Hemingway kind of tough. Good. I think, I, think Corm I know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> or how about, it's not so bad with Hemingway, but this is not The Sun Also Rises, although they do drink a whole lot of whiskey. They do. Oh, <laughs> right up your alley, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, add that to my list, too. <laughs> Sounds good. See, I just need to know how to sell you on the right book. That's right. So it is a Western because it's a cowboy story. What's happening is there's a cattle drive out of the town of Lonesome Dove to Montana. So I totally get why it's lumped in that genre. But it's also a really great adventure story. It's a love story. It feels like a sweeping piece of American history. And going in, I didn't think I cared about cowboys. But by the end of the book, I was deeply invested in their fates. Not even the end of the book. I mean, it happened much before that, but I was deeply invested in their fates. And there's a, I don't want to say too much, but there's also a, well, several women who are, who are tough cookies that you also come to love. And it's just, I think if you give it a try and give it 20 pages, you will want to know what happens next. So Kristen, you may be a little worried right now, but I am not worried for you because it's so much more than a Western. How does that sound to you all? Great. It sounds good to me. I'll, I'm willing to do Westerns. I'm I'm open to anything. And one of my other favorite books that we've done with the kids is uh, Little Britches by, and the, the series of those by Ralph Moody. And, oh, you have to read those with your kids. Those are, those are my favorite. He, Kurt's going to laugh at me because I, <laughs> I always talk about those books, but so sweet and Western and I, I can do it. Well, I'll the do sign the that you're always talking about a book is a good sign. That's a really good mm -hmm. sign. Okay, so book three is different. It's a little different than anything I've ever read. Okay, so this is a new book. It came out in June. I just read this recently, and actually I wrote about it on my blog this morning, so we'll put that in show notes. But it's the kind of book, so it is top of mind because I just finished it, but when I finished it, before I knew I'd be talking to you all, I thought, oh my goodness, like this is such a great book to read in a relationship because there's so much to talk about together. So this is called The Course of Love. It's by Alan de Baton. He's a British author and he's a philosopher. And this is a really interesting blend of fiction and philosophy. And I know that sounds really, really boring but it's not. So The Course of Love is from Shakespeare. The Course of Love never did run smooth. And mm -hmm. in this novel, he is setting out to depict an ordinary marriage, not the kind of like fireworks relationship that we usually think of as the plots for, for fiction or for novels. Actually, as I was reading it, I kept thinking of Crossing to Safety, Kristen, for the way that it's okay. just portraying ordinary lives in a compulsively readable way. Because crossing to safety, it just, it sounds boring when you read the jacket. You're like, oh, four friends who get old and have jobs. Right. I mean, it's just not right. that interesting. <laughs> but Stegner shows you 
the drama behind the scenes, even though it's quiet drama and why you should care. And uh, you just get so invested in the characters. And that's how it is in the course of love. So Deb Baton's big theory or big point that he's making is that when we tell love stories, we often focus on how you met, you know, how the relationship started. But he says that really love is the whole story. And that is just the beginning. And we do a great disservice to, to love is a concept, but also to people, to people who live lives with other people when we don't pay attention to the rest of the story. So he introduces us to this very normal couple in, who live in Edinburgh. And we do see how they fall in love. Um, you know, they meet at work, totally prosaic, not, not anything earth shaking, but he tells us their story over the course of 14 years. And he does this really interesting thing. I've never read a novel quite like it. And this is where we're combining the fiction and the philosophy. So he tells us their story. And then there are these interjected paragraphs that are italicized. So you know what's what, where he says, he puts on his philosopher hat and he says, let's examine what they're thinking right now. Let's look at how they could have done better. Let's look at where they went horribly wrong. And he just kind of reflects on the nature of love and marriage and romantic love and duty and obligation. And it's just, it's really powerful to read it that way. And there's so much to talk about. Okay. So you can tell by reading this book that the author has some strong feelings about art, like capital A art and about mm -hmm. marriage. And one of the points he makes in the book is that the couple, when they have their big blowout fights over totally normal and totally relatable things, like which set of glasses to buy at Ikea. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons that they get so hung up on these small issues, like who is going to go to the cleaners is because they've never had the opportunity to read about a relationship like theirs in a work of fiction. And if they could only imagine themselves as characters in a novel, they would have a lot more sympathy for themselves or how about empathy for themselves and a lot more compassion and a lot more self-awareness and sense of humor that would allow them to get through those moments that they're barely surviving sometimes in their marriage. So here's what Debaton says about the book right at the beginning. He tells you what you're in for. So he says that this couple will marry, they will suffer, they will frequently worry about money, they will have a girl first, then a boy, one of them will have an affair, and that just by the way, didn't unfold like I expected much more. Well, that might be a spoiler. Okay, there will be passages of boredom, they'll sometimes want to murder one another and on a few occasions to kill themselves. This will be the real love story. And the way he talks about it, it's almost grim. Like, you're going to disappoint each other over and over and over, but you can still be hopeful, but it's just so real and relatable. And I'm not saying that because my marriage is boring and depressing. I'm saying that because any real life relationship with real people is not like rainbows and unicorns all the time. And by right. showing that clearly and unpacking it thoughtfully and compassionately, it really is so oddly hopeful. And there's just so much to talk about here. So for you all, we're looking for books that are really discussable. And that doesn't mean a book that you close and you go, oh, I liked it. What are we reading next? You know, it means when <clears> characters <throat> make 
interesting choices when they face a fork and they could have gone either way. So you can talk about why did they go that way when the author says one thing about marriage and you go, Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. How do you feel about that? We're looking for books with great discussion potential and there is so much discussion potential here. So it's a little weird, but it's very readable and it's short. It's only 233 pages. And I think even because the way the book is set up, there's a lot of white space and it goes even faster than you might guess for a book this size. How does that sound to you? It yeah, sounds really, really interesting. Good. Yeah. One of our, um, one of our favorite shows to watch, which they canceled for the third season is the show togetherness mm-hmm. on HBO. And it's, it kind of has that vibe, that normal life, that normal marriage, the ups and downs but done in such an interesting way. You, it, it left us a lot to talk about. So that sounds, that sounds good. What do you yeah. think, honey? Yeah. Sounds good. Be fun to talk about. That show sounds really good. But yeah, in the same way, like there's not much that there's not much that's really relatable in a spy novel. You know, I don't look at the no. screen and go, oh, now I understand my own my own self better. Like that just doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what the author is trying to do is to to give you something that is I mean, assuming that you're not like a CIA agent, you know, to give you something that is relatable and reflects your own life back to you. And that happens so rarely. And I really appreciated how how good it was to read that. Like just as, you know, this was a great book, but also as a, oh, this was really good for me to read it and not in a vitamins kind of way. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. It sounds really interesting. Well, I would be very I like it. curious to hear what you all think. Okay. Of those three titles, this doesn't necessarily have to be a group decision. What do you think you all will each read next? Kristen, Ooh. you pick. They all sound really good, and I could equally pick up any of them, but The Gentleman of Moscow sounds, that one like struck me the most. What about you? Yeah, I would say probably do that one, and then maybe The Course of Love, and then Lonesome Dove to finish it out. Yeah, Lonesome Dove sounds like a good winter, like Christmas break one. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed trying something new today with Kristen and Kurt. There's something else new in just a second, but first, please head to the podcast site to let me know what you thought of my recommendations and to share your recommendations for Kristen and Kurt's reading life. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 37, and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. And don't forget to tag the show on Instagram at what should I read next so we can see what you are reading. Now on to the good stuff. A few weeks ago, I put out a call in the newsletter. I asked subscribers to tell me about their summer reading superlatives. What was the best book they read this summer? What landed it on their favorites list? And were there any books they truly hated? You all chimed in with your responses, and they were so much fun to listen to. I can't wait for you to hear. I'm so grateful for all of you who answered the call, and I wish we had space to share everyone. But if you didn't get to share your summer favorites in this episode, have no fear. We will be doing much more of this in the future. We want to hear from you, and we will always be asking newsletter subscribers first. To sign up so you're the first to hear about future shows and segments we're planning, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. Now, let's listen in and hear how you're all summer reading went. My name is Wendy. I live outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And out of the 70 plus books I've read so far this year, my favorite has been Love That Boy by Ron Fournier. It's part memoir. It's a little bit of history, 
a lot of research about current parenting techniques and styles. And all in all, it provided me a really good framework to kind of organize some of those random thoughts that I had been having as a mom about what we were doing, how we were doing it, whether or not those things were going to produce results. And it was really fantastic. This is Fiona from Sydney, Australia. It's winter here, but I'm still loving listening to all the summer reading everyone's doing on in the Northern Hemisphere. So during my winter reading, I've been reading A River Runs Through It by Norman MacLean. And because we're heading over to Montana in a month or two, and I like to do some vacation reading before I go about the places that we're going to. And this book is about fly fishing in Montana. But this book is so fascinating in that it uses the backdrop of fishing to explore the relationships between two brothers and their father. And I'd highly recommend it to all your North American readers. This is Anne Whitmore from Illinois. Thanks for inviting us to report in our summer reading. For me, the best book of the summer, capital B, capital B, capital S, was easily Everyone Brave is Forgiven by Chris Cleave, a modern Mrs. Darcy's summer book club and summer reading guide selections. I laughed out loud many times reading Jonathan Chopper's This Is Where I Leave You. I'll throw in a content warning for readers who like things cleaner, but I loved its humor and heart regarding family function in the midst of grief and the inevitable reunion that follows the death of a family member. Great narration. Hi, my name is Jen, and my favorite read this summer so far has been Garden Spells by Sarah Addison Allen. This book was sitting on my mom's bookshelf for ever, and I don't even think she's read it yet. And I just feel like I've discovered a new friend. Um, I'm totally binge reading Sarah Addison Allen, and I just love her writing. I think it's perfect for summer. I love stories with a little bit of magic in them. I love stories about relationships, whether it's within a family or relationships and love or friendships. And, uh, and she seems to tie all of that together. And Garden Spells has been a really great example of that and the magic with the flowers and it just feels so beautiful and uh and so that's what I've been reading. It's Jill Klaus. I am from Chicago. Summer reading is always a bit tricky for me. I don't have that steady flow I have during the school year but rather bursts when I'm on vacations or weekends away but I was able to think back to the books I loved. So here goes. There are three I loved. Uh, the first was You Learn by Living by Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, and even despite being written in 1960 by a former first lady, it is incredibly timely given the climate in our country. So the second book I loved this summer was The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. The third book I really loved this summer was Everyone Brave is Forgiven by, by Chris Cleave, which I learned about through your podcast. My name's Krista, and I live in the Seattle area. I have started Outlander and have read and stopped and let my digital copy expire from the library, and I've rechecked it out and started where I left off. And I think that's happened probably five or six times, and I'm about 60% through the book. I just can't get into it. I... um. I really wanted a certain love interest to take place in the book, and hopefully that doesn't give too much away. But once that happened, I was just kind of bored with it. And I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of action, and then it kind of slows down, and then there's a lot of action, and it slows down. And I don't really care what happens. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but I just, I'm not, I just am not into it. And so 
I kind of think it's time to put it down. This is Emily Gardner. You graciously talked to my husband, Tim, on episode 26 of the podcast. My two favorites from this summer's reading are both YA novels. One was really good, and the other one is now one of my favorite of all-time books. The first was Tell Me Three Things by Julie Buxbaum. The second book, which I absolutely adored, was Codename Verity. A reader friend recommended it to me, and I'm so glad, glad that she did. If a book can be both plot and character-driven, this is it. I stayed up way too late reading and put my kids down for a few early naps to finish it. My name is Jessica Chance. I'm from North Carolina by way of Texas. Uh, one book I read this summer that I didn't like as much would be some people's favorite, but um, I wasn't a huge fan, and that was The Nest by Cynthia Diapri Sweeney. Um, I just could not get into this book. I found the characters so just selfish and unrelatable, and I just didn't see as much redemption or encouragement. And it just, when I finished reading, there just wasn't a sense of satisfaction that I like to have at the end of books. It was just like, I can't believe I read all those pages about those people. My name is Erica DeBella and I live in Houston, Texas. There were two books that really stood out for me. It's actually, they're both part of a series by Mary Pearson. Um, they are The Kiss of Deception and the sequel, The Heart of Betrayal. This is a YA fantasy series um, that was just absolutely enthralling for me. There is a lot of intrigue. There is definitely a lot of deception. There is romance. Um, this book, there's just a little bit of magic. And it was really hard for me to put this book down. I have to say, too, that the interesting thing is I think I might have liked the sequel, The Heart of Betrayal, even more than the first book. This is Michelle DeRussia from Lincoln, Nebraska. And one of the favorite books that I read this summer is called Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry. And it was sort of an unlikely pick for me. I don't typically read poetry and Wendell Berry writes a lot of poetry, although this book is fiction, but I was hesitant to pick it up uh, just because I wasn't sure about its potential poetic nature. But I ended up absolutely loving it. This is Krista from Austin, Texas. My favorite book this summer was probably Moon Over Manifest. I just finished reading it and the characters have stayed with me and I've been thinking about them. I also really liked my The Precious One and Grown Up Kind of Pretty this summer. Those were all stories about family who loved each other deeply, but were just trying to figure out how to do life and how to do it well. And I loved going through their journey with them. They weren't perfect, but they were perfectly loved. And I loved, I just really enjoyed those stories. Thank you for your podcast. You have revolutionized my reading life and revitalized it. So thank you. Readers, that was so fun. Thanks for your enthusiasm about sharing your summer reading loves and hates. To make sure you are the first to know about the next round, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com newsletter and sign up there. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. 
What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.